I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I am talking with Allegra O'Hare, who is the CMO of Gap. Allegra, hi and welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I am great and so excited to have you join me today. You are doing some really cool things over at Gap. You've been there now almost six months. We have a lot to learn from you on how you approached your role, the first 90 days, some of the cool things that you've been up to as a result of all that. But why don't we start with you sharing a little bit about your role and why you decided to take that on? Yeah. So Chief Marketing Officer for Gap Brand under the Gap Inc. umbrella. Um, I think the most important thing about, you know, when I decided to come to work here is the opportunity behind the brand. I, I, I saw a great brand that stood not just for incredibly long heritage, because this year we're celebrating 50 years, but also values that I was really close to. So, you know, uh, optimism, inclusivity, and it's just been dormant over time. And so I, I'm, I always thrive in challenging situations. So when they called me to say, hey, we're turning around the brand and we need, you know, a strong marketer to help, you know, bring more fuel to the fire. Do you want to, do you want to come and work here? I thought this sounded great. I met a bunch of great people as well. So, you know, when things just line up, uh, I was super excited to come and work for the brand. So yeah, it's been six months already. I, I can't believe it, to be honest. Yeah, I can't either. I mean, I remember when you literally was your first day and, and six months has already gone by so fast. But you came yeah. from another cool company. And oh, this is funny because there's a debate out there. And I asked Nick Drake this in his podcast too. Is it? I, I know what you're going to ask. You know what I'm going to ask? Go ahead. All right, take it. You can have it. <laughs> Is it Adidas or Adidas? Yes, you got that right. <laughs> well, I have to say when I was uh, in Germany working there, you had to say Adidas. <laughs> and every time we, we went to the U.S. or went to Portland or wherever we had to travel to New York, we'd switch to Adidas. So, <laughs> But Germany would be Adidas. Adidas. Okay. So, well, <laughs> so before we go more into what you're doing at Gap, t- tell us a little bit about Adidas. 
Did, did I do that right? I'm probably yeah. saying it with a French yeah, exactly. accent, which is probably not helping. <laughs> Adidas. Tell us, tell us what you were doing there because you were there for quite some time, right? Yeah, I was there for 12 years. Um, I worked for market, for region, and then my latest role was four years at Global Brand Marketing, heading up the Adidas Originals division, uh, the, all of the brand marketing and communications. So it was a roller coaster of a ride. It was amazing. I left a fantastic high-performing team, which is the thing that I miss the most. But the great thing is coming to Gap, I just met the greatest people as well. So I felt like I just landed in the right place. And it's great because we're all gearing up to really kickstart the brand again. So it's super exciting to be here now at Gap. Yeah. So, and we were talking earlier, you actually lived in Germany for part of your role. Is that right? Yeah. Four years in, in Nuremberg. Nuremberg. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so that also gives you a lot of exposure on on the European side too. You know, any any tips and tricks as somebody is working across, say, North America and European continents from a consumer standpoint? Oh, yeah. It's very different. I mean, well, Western Europe was a big part of our business back then. The, the big three markets were, of course, Western Europe, the United States, and China mainly. But culturally also different. But I think the big challenge is whether you're at Adidas or at Gap is like you're a global brand, but you really have to have those local cultural nuances that you just can't ignore. You know, it's not one size fits all. It's one strategic brand approach, but the most successful brands I feel, and that's another thing that we're doing here at Gap is really to bring diversity into the teams who really understand the nuances and are really able to connect the brand better to the consumer in the market. So that's also a key learning that I had when I when I was living in Germany and running global brand communications. Yeah. Okay. So I'm so happy you brought that up, and um, I want to dive in deep there in just a minute. But uh, do want to also congratulate you because in that role you did receive Adweek Brand Genius Award, correct? That was great. Yeah. Awesome. What? T- just tell me quickly what was the campaign that you won that for? Uh, Originals is never finished. Aha. Uh-huh. What was that about? I call it the My Way campaign. I, I don't know if you recollect, but it was the campaign that was set to the music of Frank Sinatra's My Way, reinterpreted, which leads me into one of my biggest learning is that data is not always right. Because when we were locking in the music for the campaign, and of course, we were targeting the younger generations, the data was clearly telling us that Frank Sinatra wouldn't resonate with younger consumers. Um we went against what the data was telling us. So I think if there's one learning uh, as a market here, it's, it is about science, but it's also about art. So art and science go together. And I think experience and intuition are something that you also shouldn't underestimate in the role. Okay. So, you know, what's interesting is as we were chatting earlier and we're chatting now, I literally am writing down little snippets of things that you say you, you, obviously have a very clear mindset on what you're doing, why you're doing it for, and the outcomes that you expect. And and I'm cheating a little bit because I know what you did, but I'm going to ask you now to share with everybody <laughs> how you approached your first 90 days at Gap, because I thought this was just brilliant and I'm going to steal it and use it from you too. <laughs> it's very simple. I mean, when I, when I learned this trick oh, many years ago, it's been my, my secret sauce, <laughs> so to speak, but it's a great formula. It's just a framework to, to put together your thoughts 
behind your actions that you're going to take, regardless of what level you're at. So not just talking about, you know, CMO level, but any level in the company, this framework, it's called issues, outcomes, and actions. It's it's just basically a Excel file, to put it bluntly. You start with your issues. You just list them all. And, you know, when I came into Gap, something that I just worked on, it was just a ongoing document about all the issues that I saw, which are at the end of the day opportunities, right? So whether it's how we were organized or the content that we are creating or strategy or distribution or omni-channel approach, et cetera. So I just listed them all. Then the next column is, you know, the outcome. And usually that's a shared outcome that everybody who works in a company has behind that issue. And then go to the third point, which is action steps. And arguably, you know, I've been doing this job for over 25 years. The first thing that we do in in companies and businesses is <laughs> go straight to actions uh, without probably going through the issues and the outcomes that we all want to uh, achieve as a team. And so this framework, issues, outcomes, actions, really helped me a lot in my first 90 days at Gap, but also sometimes in conflict situations or in decision-making situations with large teams, in conference rooms. It, It really brings everybody together, and I've seen it work very well. So that's all of my secret sauce. It really helped a lot for me, you know, to frame up what I wanted to do at Gap, but also to communicate it, right? Because I think as leaders, we shouldn't underestimate the importance of communication and over communication to our teams. So it's a very good way of going about things, I think. No, I, I absolutely believe you. And like I said, the minute you said it, I thought, oh my God, that's so simple. And yet it's brilliant. And you said to me, yeah, it's all about simplify and amplify. And and that is, you know, how do you take complex situations and, and like you said, communicate them simply, but have impact. And so mm-hmm. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, sure. So you did this in the first 90 days at Gap and you came to a few conclusions or maybe a few next steps, some action steps. W- where did you focus your attention uh, first or on, on which handful of things did you say, this is where I start? Yeah, I think my... My first thing was my personal North Star when I came into the company. Everything laddered into that. And for me, it was to really create a global cultural brand out of Gap. That that was, for me, the number one thing that I just kept at the forefront of my mind. And that then meant, obviously, what did that mean to me? It, mean, it meant like really defining the brand strategy, really structuring the team so we were efficient and consumer centric. I know it's a lot of marketing cliche words, but at the end of the day, that North Star really helped me then with everything that I had to do. So that was really important to me. Yeah. So you have in fact started restructuring your team. Are there some things that you've opted to do based on the opportunities that you saw? Yeah. One opportunity is very important to me was um, I identified one of the issues <laughs> going to my framework and we, we weren't thinking omni-channel. Um, we were very disjointed between dot-com, retail, the whole consumer experience. And when I say omni-channel, I don't mean, hey, our window looks like our homepage. It's much more than that. It's really a all consumer touch points and the consumer journey. So um, I just created a new position and I recently hired a uh, vice president, Omni Channel Marketing, who just started with me just recently. 
coming from my previous life. And that for me was a significant turning point as we structure this brand, how we think consumer centric. So part of the team setup is, for example, this new position. Uh, Another is to get the team to think digital and social first. So we went through a social media audit and transformation. We're still amidst it right now. But, you know, if you just look at our brand channel, our Instagram brand channel, for example, you'll you'll see the transformation and you'll see, oh, I, I understand what she's talking about, where the brand's coming and where it's going to and how consumer and social media centricity is starting to play out. So that was another issue that I saw was, you know, we don't have a very strong social media strategy. So obviously then we structured the team, we brought in new players. And and again, we're in, in the middle of this exciting transformation for the brand. Just having lived in San Francisco for quite a while, I know a lot of people who have worked for Gap Inc. in different roles. And it, just a few years ago, I think it was that you had a centralized digital marketing team that was servicing all the brands. Is that still the same setup? And how do you work with that team? Because you're talking a lot about digital and social engagement. So what does that look like? Yeah, a large portion of our digital team is still in San Francisco for Gap Brand. Our brand headquarters are here in New York City. I think it's it's a setup that a lot of companies operate with. I don't think it's anything new. Even in my previous life, we had uh, different locations for different departments. And it, it's more about having the right connectivity and the processes in place that bring everybody together. So it is how we're operating now. I have the perk of being able to travel to San Francisco every so often uh, to go and and meet with the teams, but we have just constant communication, built-in processes, et cetera, to ensure that we've got one holistic consumer journey. So so as you were also thinking about campaigns and and you said you were finding your personal North Star and, and what this brand should be. You recently launched two brand new campaigns that came out of this first 90 day yep. thinking process. Tell me about those. Yeah, we just uh, released two of our three blockbusters for second half of the year. Uh, we started with our kids campaign. You know, Gap is very strong in the baby, toddler and kids business. So we launched a campaign called Forward just a uh, couple of weeks back and it's it's really exciting because we were able to not just create content with authentic kids so kids that have a passion for music or have very strong personalities and they're real and authentic so that was very exciting but I think also layering over the music by Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine and remixing it with the kids voices just added such a layer of depth an interest to the content and the campaign that's never been done before. So with the kids forward campaign, we really wanted to make a statement. And then one week later, <laughs> we come out with our second blockbuster, which is our our big fall campaign, which is our denim campaign. It's our denim now, which really one week later we, we launched. So you can imagine the tremendous work that the teams uh, did to bring these campaigns to life and not just with the ethos of the brand in mind, but with the fact that, you know, we really had to cut through the clutter. We had to think social and digital first and create those deliverables. So, you know, I, I changed the marketing operating process that they were used to. So the teams here really did an amazing job of managing change as well, because I came in and I 
changed a lot of things, but at the same time, bringing to life two fantastic campaigns that they all can be proud of. So congratulations on getting those campaigns going. I had to chuckle a little bit when you were talking about the forward campaign with children singing Guns and Roses because, <laughs> well, first of all, I'm a huge GNR fan. I mean, I just am. But I, I, <laughs> yeah, who isn't, right? Um, but I'm also a huge opera fan. I'm also uh, a huge Frank Sinatra fan. So that's where I always go with Frank Sinatra. Like you went against the grain, you brought back mm-hmm. someone that maybe a group wouldn't even resonate with. You're doing it again here. How's that, how's that paying out? Oh, it's great because music is really in the DNA of Gap Brand. We, we had to focus on that as well. So whether it's the forward campaign for kids, it's our denim now. It's amazing, Didi. She, she created the music for the campaign. It, it's really at the core of the brand's DNA. And as we created content that was powerful and worked with some great talent as well. So, you know, whether it's Tyler Mitchell, who shot our key visuals for our denim campaign, R&DD, who did the music, we really focused on that element as well, because it's just so gap to bring music to life and have that as part of our optimistic um, and fun nature, which really distinguishes us um, from the rest of the competition. So thank you for sharing your really cool adventures already in, in such an early part of your role with, with Gap. I'm sure there's a lot more ahead and I can't wait to see where you will go. But we are starting to come a little short on time. So I wanted to, to shift gears on you a little bit. And I'd love to hear, because you you have such clarity of mind, clarity of thinking, this secret sauce of yours, what are some lessons that you can share that you learned along the way or tips for success that really helped you in your career? Yeah, I think the one that, well, I'm not going to say the one that's most important, but I think, I think about brands and businesses stick to the plan always resonated with me. I think it's probably the over 25 years of experience in corporations and companies. Um, When we were successful, it's when we stuck to the plan, no matter what. And that plan is, it's there because it's been thought out. It's consumer centric. It makes sense. And of course, there's a lot of things that happen, you know, the businesses, um, the business goes up and down and the consumer changes, the competition changes. But Sticking to the plan has been something that's been very close to me and I've been actually been like a broken record, I think, since I started here. So that's one thing. And that has to do with business and strategy. But I think the other thing is really about you as a person. I think authenticity, being yourself, uh, creating relationships. I think I wouldn't underestimate the power of relationships, whether they're in the company, whether they're with strategic partners like agencies or even photographers. It doesn't matter. But relationships and communication are both elements that I think are really important for for success. And then again, I go back to authenticity and being yourself. I remember a boss of mine just he kept on saying, "Just be yourself. That's the best thing you can be." when you're leading people because they see they, you're transparent, you're truthful and uh, you're honest. And as we talk about leadership, that's something that people gravitate towards, right? Authenticity, optimism and 
can do kind of attitude. And that was something that he, he kept on telling me. And of course, a lot of hard work, you know, I'm not going to deny that <laughs> there was a lot, there's always hard work. And I think always, you know, hard work does, does pay out. Okay. So those are three really great tips. Uh, your first one there, stick to the plan. <laughs> I, I wish I was better at that in my youth. I got to tell you, I go the number of times I changed my <laughs> college courses every semester because I wanted to optimize my experience was a whole lot of energy that went nowhere. So I, I totally <laughs> agree with you. Um, stick to the plan. It's easier said than done, yeah, right? Exactly. Okay. So, so you are also on our Women Trailblazers Council. Yes. So thank you so much for that. Are there specific tips that you would give to women in their career that might be a little bit unique in their development process? I think it applies to everyone and not just to women, but I think it's about keep on challenging yourself. I think complacency is the death of creativity. And if you've got that sense of awareness, not just of yourself, but everything that's around you and just keep on challenging yourself and others. Uh, I, I always think it gets you to a better place. I coach a lot of women. I'm very close to the fact that still we're, very far away from equal pay, from women on boards across all industries. There is progress, but I think we're still far from it. But whenever I'm mentoring or talking to women who are asking for tips, a lot of it is just about don't be afraid. And, you know, they always say fear, fear is a liar. And I love that because I always think about that because we were, we're human beings and we were always in situations where we're maybe a little bit concerned about speaking up. And I think that kind of hesitation is a little more intrinsic sometimes to women than to men. And I've read a lot of books about it, but it's like, just get out there. You've got nothing to lose and take that step. What's the worst thing that can happen? That's another thing that you know, I always kept in my mind. And actually, those bad things rarely do happen. So it's it's really about overcoming fear and just not letting it get in your way. And it's, again, you know, it's easier said than done. But um, I live by the mantra, and I, I coached women on this as well. It's like, do something that scares you every day. Um, and it could be from the smallest little thing. Uh, it doesn't mean skydiving <laughs> or anything like that. It's just like speaking up or picking up the phone and talking to that person that, you know, you really don't get along with and would rather not talk to, but there's a fear there. If you overcome it, then you see a lot of great things actually happen. So I think those are a lot of the conversations that I love having as, you know, I coach women. And I've always had a lot of women on leadership positions um, on my team, but it goes broader than that. It's really about diversity, diversity of cultures, of behaviors, of ways of thinking. And I think it just makes for such a more powerful and high-performing team and, and ultimately leads to a successful um, business. Okay. So there are three things I want to dig into, if not more, based on that. Um, but I, I have to I have to chuckle a little bit because you said do something that scares you every day. And it's not about business, but it could be somewhat analogous. And in fact, I think there was a book that had a title similar to it. But the scariest thing I ever did in my life was uh, I am I am literally frozen when it comes to sharks. And <laughs> and I had an opportunity 
to get in the water with a lot of sharks. And uh, they were supposedly non-man-eating sharks. But I was so petrified. I But I, I forced myself – I don't know how I found this, but I forced myself to do it. To this day, I still don't know how I did it. But um, And like I said, I think there's some books called Swimming with Sharks or something like that. But um, but I did do it, and, and I lived. They didn't eat me. <laughs> I have to know, since you do one scary thing every day, what's what's the scariest one that you've done? Well, actually, one of them was you guys, because when you gave me my Brand Genius Award in 2017, I had to give a speech in front of Anna Wintour. <laughs> that I really prepared for that one. Uh, I think I could recite it backwards in my sleep. But, you know, that was scary because I was thinking, wow, I'm in front of not just her, but Adweek and some of the greatest of the greatest in marketing. And, you know, you kind of... Yeah, you start thinking, wow, okay, this is really important. So that I would say is probably one of the scariest moments that I was like, oh, wow, what will they think? You know, I hope, you know, I'll deliver a compelling message and, and really represent the award that you gave me, which for me was very personal. And obviously, I was also representing my team. So, you know, I had a lot of stress and fear about that, but I really prepared. And I think preparation generally is, is very important. I feel personally that it's, it's important and it helped me overcome that fear. And it was one of the best speeches I think I gave for those who listen, because of course, after a couple of glasses of wine, I always think, <laughs> I wonder who actually is listening around here. But, um, but yeah, if I have to think about a business related situation, that was, that was one of the moments where I, I did overcome a fear and it went great. Okay. That, that totally made my day. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to go talk to Lisa and I'm going to see if I can find your speech because I'm pretty sure somebody recorded it and I, I will, I will find it if I can. So, and I'm honored that you felt that way. So, so thank you. Big smile on my face over here. So I have a couple more questions and let's see, gosh, there's so many things I want to ask you, but I'm going to limit it to these two because we are, unfortunately we are, we are almost out of time here. You never thought you were going to be a CMO or did you always know you'd be a CMO? No, I never thought I was going to be a CMO. I, um, I have, I actually, it's my personal email. It's, it's next 20 feet. And a lot of people ask me, why is your personal email next 20 feet? Because I always think about the next 20 feet. I really try not to plan so far ahead because I think things change. Obviously I would have loved for that to happen, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, I just progressed as things came. I took them on, you know, moving or new jobs and opportunities, I wasn't the type that planned it since, you know, since I graduated from college. kind of. <laughs> so then that, that begs another question. And the question I always end every podcast with, and I'm delighted I always get a very different answer to this question. If you weren't a CMO then, and money and talent were no object whatsoever, you have all of that in spades, more than you know what to do with, what would you do? I'd be growing grapes and having a wine farm in some beautiful place, whether it's Italy, Spain, or, or California. So I've got a sommelier diploma um, in my pocket. Uh, I just keep it there. I think it's my hidden dream one day. But yeah, that's where I'd be. <laughs> I love that question, by the way. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm glad you do. There's a reason I love you. I've always wanted to get my sommelier license, and um, I share your passion <laughs> So when you're ready to go do that, you call me up and I will I will help you plant uh, all of those vineyards for you. How about that? 
That sounds great. <laughs> awesome. And I'll be more than happy to help you, you know, try the production. Uh, so um, <laughs> excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I look forward to seeing you again very soon. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit ViralGrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.